Welcome to Crafty Sourcer. If you're looking for a raw, unfiltered podcast on all things sourcing in APAC, you've come to the right place. Grab a coffee or wine and join your host and other guests as we dive deep into the complex and ever-evolving world of sourcing, keeping you informed on insights, tools, and even at times, a healthy sourcing debate or two. Now, here's your host, Denise Pereira from Kaleidosource. Settle in and let's get crafty. Hi, everyone. My name is Denise, and I'm super excited to be here for two main reasons. First of all, this is our first ever episode for Crafty Saucer, where we bring you all things sourcing related with some phenomenal individuals doing some fantastic things within sourcing, specifically in APAC. And number two, we have none other than one of the real OGs of sourcing within Australia, someone I respect and admire, Martin Freeman. Martin, thank you so much for, first of all, saying yes to being the first ever guest on Crafty Saucer. But, you know, uh, just just being here. So thank you so much, Martin. No, absolutely. Thank you, Denise, for inviting me. I'm, I'm, I'm very kind of uh, feel proud and privileged that you actually asked me to be uh, part of your your, your podcast and, and, and first one up. So, yeah, uh, hopefully I won't ruin it for you. But uh, <laughs> no, thank you very much. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Uh, Martin, you and I have been in touch for like several years, you know, on and off. We've chatted on LinkedIn. In fact, you were one of the first people I'd even introduced in one of our sourcing jams at Zendesk, if you remember, and uh, the team took so much away from that. So, you know, I'm glad that we've been connected for so many years. Now, as we know, sourcing has evolved, you know, drastically over the years. So before we kind of get into all things sourcing, we did a bit of a teaser and I had quite a lot of people, you know, reach out to me saying, who is this person? You know, uh, I'd like to know more about them. So let's very quickly get into an intro on who is Martin and then kind of talk to us about, you know, how did you fall in love with sourcing? What was it about sourcing that really, you know, kind of nailed nailed it for you? Yeah, thank you uh, once again. So, yeah, uh, apologies that uh, people didn't quite know me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much... <laughs> under the radar uh, in terms of in Australia. Uh, but a little bit about myself, uh, my name's Martin Freeman, uh, originally from the UK. Uh, I have a roughly about 25 years of sourcing experience, uh, mostly in-house since about 2006, uh, but come from an agency background originally. Um, the, the, it's the typical old cliche that I, I, I fell into recruiting and, and it really was like that. I mean, I, I've had uh, one or two career changes but when I left school and, and uni, et cetera, I wanted to be a civil engineer, uh, design wow. bridges and roads, et cetera. Um, but then there was a like a big crash in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I needed to kind of find a, a different career. So I went into finance um, and I, I joined a recruitment company within their finance team. And mm-hmm. one thing led to another. I, I, I got asked if I how I'd feel about kind of working in recruitment. Um, I didn't really see myself as a natural salesperson as such. Mm-hmm. So I, I found sourcing. Uh, and since really about 1997, that's been my kind of swim lane, really. So yeah. Yeah, interesting. How was sourcing back then? I mean, compared to now in 2023? Uh, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, like the the, the evolutions of, of sourcing since then to now is just like mind boggling. I mean, when I first started out, there were like paper CVs, <laughs> fax machines, yeah. and you know, you used to kind of send CVs across to hire managers. Uh, but since the kind of early 2000s, we had like the job boards and then kind of LinkedIn yeah. came along. Um, yeah. And I think just it's just expanded more and more ever since. And I think that 
the, the biggest thing more recently is kind of a, the the evolution of kind of AI technologies, mm. that, you know, in the, in the inverted kind of commas, <laughs> etc. Um, so, uh, and and I think like a lot of people kind of moved out into more the community side of things. So, mm-hmm. a, a sources job is is definitely not easy. Um, yeah. You know, you've got to you've got to know where the talent is and. And, and and find the best ways to try and engage with that individual, really. So I, I think that's really where the, the challenge lies these days. Yeah, excellent. And I think one thing, like, I personally really do enjoy sometimes picking up the phone, and I know a lot of people don't enjoy that, and I know it's it's a very traditional method, but I also think it's something that can bear a lot of fruit if it's something we enjoy doing, you know, um, at times as well. And And Martin, obviously, you've been in the game for such a long time. You've seen you know the traditional methodologies they work, they don't work in in certain instances. Like what is sourcing to you, and what is the value that it can bring? You've obviously seen it in so many different companies. You've been at Cisco, you've been at um you know Expedia, now you're at Okta. So you've obviously seen it in massive, complex environments. So what do you think, or how do you see sourcing? can bring so much value into any level of organizations no matter what the complexity is yeah i think first of all like you know you've got to kind of define what sourcing is Mm. really i think and you know and it's not a one size fits all and it Mm -hmm. really is dependent on the model within the organization but you know in in terms of the sources role it's you know primarily the identification uh, the engagement and conversion of that person for for the Mm. organization and a sourcer can be one or all three of those things. Mm-hmm. But then kind of outside of that, you know, there's going to be things that we kind of collect along the way, like uh, lots of market intelligence or if the company's looking to go into a new marketplace, like what does that talent you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. landscape look like? And I think this is kind of stuff that, you know, a sourcer does kind of bring to the table quite well because we, we are very kind of data driven mm-hmm. and we are, we're able to kind of bring that information to the table to kind of drive a conversation. Absolutely. Um, but then things outside of that, you know, I've seen a lot of sources that I've worked with in the past do lots of kind of programmatic things around HR, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I've just kind of decided to kind of stick in the sourcing swim lane. So there, mm. there's definitely mm. a lot of skills around the sources uh, that can be utilized in other parts of the organization. Mm. Awesome. And let's um, talk about, from a complexity side of things, like when you look at places like where you're in Octo or wherever you've actually embedded a function like that, how complex can it be? Yeah, I think f- first of all, it's just like, you know, when, well, let's take a step back. When I joined Expedia, for instance, they they didn't have a sourcing function. So they had roughly about 80 to 90 recruiters, mm-hmm. all various levels of, of, of sourcing capability, but they didn't really have someone that was where sourcing was their kind of key strength. Right. So they, I, I worked with a gentleman uh, who's kind of ex-Google, ex-Bill Gates Foundation. His name is Tito Magabay. He's actually left recruiting now, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, he asked me to come on board for Expedia and really just kind of showcase, like, what can a sourcer do to the organization? Yep. Um, so, yeah, typically I was, I was brought on. Uh, and they literally just gave, gave me the 10 hardest positions that they had. And I, the, the first conversation <laughs> on day three I had was with the CFO of Expedia. And he was just he was just adamant that you just couldn't fill this kind of role internally. Mm. Um, and I, I just really wanted to kind of show him, you know, that we could. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of went at it for like solidly for like two weeks or something like that. And mm-hmm. 
kind of brought back some reports mm. and showed him who we reached out to and who was interested and who wasn't. And, mm. and he just he couldn't believe that TA functions could gather that intelligence and kind of bring it back in a digestible way that he could understand. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, ultimately we – we, I, I got one hire, and we hired the the silver medalist twelve months later, and um, yeah, I think it just kind of stemmed from there. Really, um, we we started bringing on further and further, uh, sort of more and more resources into the organisation. We made it more global. Um, at the time, I was a contractor there, so I wasn't in that kind of leadership role at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, so I knew someone um, that could kind of step into that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she eventually moved and then I kind of took over and converted with Expedia. And yeah, we kind of started to expand the model and yeah, we, we were, I think we were eventually the kind of the number one channel in terms of, you know, time to fill cost Amazing. reduction and all that kind of stuff. So these are the things when you kind of translate that all into kind of dollars and time is what happens mm. with the business. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's, um, that's a really great example Martin and I think one thing like I'm a big believer in is that sourcing is a long-term game for long-term gain right because it's not just about the hire now like you said there was a silver medalist that you'll hire 12 months later this is how it all sort of pans out and there's no quick wins here like not all the time if it happens it happens but it's not always going to happen right so it can't happen overnight yeah no. it's kind of yeah you can work on the, the now positions and hope hmm. it's done but you've got to think about what you're going to be feeling in the future. So, I mean, I've always been a big fan of, you know, aligning sourcing teams to kind of core and common positions or ones mm-hmm. that you know we're going to hire now, but we're also going to be hiring six to 12 months time. Absolutely. But at the same time, working on those niche positions, um, you know, so people don't kind of get bored in their mm-hmm. roles, just mm-hmm. work on the same old every day. Yeah. Um, but they can have a bit of um, a varied diet at the same time. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and Martin, like, in obviously with what you've set up in, in your career, is there an example of maybe a sourcing strategy that you've done or set up that was particularly innovative or successful within yeah. an organization that you worked in? Yeah, again, I, if, apologies if I keep on harping back to Expedia. but Please go was, for it. That was really good because I say there's a lot of stuff that I was able to kind of influence directly, mm. uh, whereas I've worked at startups since, et cetera. And, but in terms of Expedia, I, I kind of had like different individuals that were really good at certain things within sourcing. Mm-hmm. Um, the one one thing that I wasn't really an expert in, but I, I, I had a really great guy called Adam Hall, who's, who's ex-VMware. He's based in the US, and he did a lot of kind of program sourcing stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll try and break it down very quickly, but um, we were hiring lots of software engineers in in Seattle and we were able to kind of section off a big chunk of headcount. So stuff that wasn't going to go out to the recruitment team. Um, And he was able to kind of work on big campaigns, working very closely with our kind of uh, marketing teams, you know, driving leads through via Marketo. Mm -hmm. And essentially what it broke down is that he had to reach out to roughly about five to 600 people in about a two-week wow. period. Um, and during week three, um, he had to get all the kind of pre-technical testing done uh, for about 40 candidates. Mm-hmm. On the 40 candidates that were kind of going to be offered to come on site, we knew that we were going to have like on-site event and from that like 20 to 30 people mm-hmm. that turn up. Okay. 
uh, we would make about 10 to 15 hires from Amazing. that. And wow. it was just the, he would do this on a quarterly basis. He wouldn't work on day-to-day requisitions. Yeah. He would just kind of take a chunk of headcount, leave it with me. I'm going to kind of work with the business. We're going to set up an event. Uh, and he was highly successful with doing that. And, and I think that's something that sourcing teams can do yep. more of rather than those just mm. kind of one-off positions time and time again. And I think this also leads to if your business has good workforce planning in place, yep. it can absolutely lead to some really good achievable outcomes, especially if you know what you're going to be hiring for in the next 6, 12 months, especially if they're recurring roles as well. That gives you a lot more leeway into going ahead ahead of time than waiting for the last minute or two weeks before a rec is actually going to go live. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I know that sources had to kind of dive in when there's fires burning and all mm. that stuff. Mm. But the ideal situation is that if you know that there's going to be a chunk of headcount coming up in three yes. months, align it to a sourcing team and they yeah. can kind of get ahead of the game as quickly as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is where we see companies make this mistake is they'll do everything straight up where they'll do the recruitment efforts, They'll sometimes even engage with agencies. And then the sourcing team is sometimes the last avenue after they've exhausted every other channel possible. And then it's given to sourcing, whereas you should be engaging with sourcing from the get-go, along with your recruitment efforts, whether that's job posting, internal referral programs, or whatever that may be, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the earliest that we can get in there, the better. Um, And it's not to say that, you know, recruiters shouldn't stop sourcing or they shouldn't utilize uh, referrals or mm-hmm. your di- direct applications I, I'll probably draw a line when they kind of start saying look let's engage an agency because yes. that doesn't kind of make sense that you got you know a sourcer out doing outbound and a, an agency outbound nothing against what they're trying to mm-hmm. do but it just means that we should just focus elsewhere so. exactly exactly and in terms of um let's talk about and I love asking this question because I think it really does show how sourcing does stand out in terms of you know how it can be done and how you can actually yield some fantastic results. Is there a case study or something that you've done where you've sort of used a non-traditional sourcing method and that's really turned into something that you weren't expecting, like an outcome in terms of whether that's a hire or whether it's just been something else? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things I can probably point to really. Mm. So, and, and it's still kind of pertinent to how we source today really, but going back to like the, uh, well, the mid kind of 2000s, say, 2008, 2009, when I really started to introduce some like advanced sourcing techniques into my day-to-day. Mm. Um, I, was, I was working at Betford at the time, and he asked me to find an Oracle database specialist, yeah. a, a database <laughs> security specialist, should I say. Uh, and like at the time, there was only like the traditional job boards, and I wasn't really finding that level of, of candidate on mm. those sites really. So I, I kind of went to Oracle uh, website, and I was kind of peeling back on some some documents they had and mm. one thing led to another anyway I, I found uh an instructional designer that was uh that was putting together technical content for mm-hmm. database security um and i just kind of found his details on linkedin and i kind of reached out to him and he actually put me in touch with a database security specialist and yeah like he didn't mm-hmm. know that that guy was actively looking for a job but mm-hmm. uh, but we we had an initial conversation. I told him about what we were doing with Betfair. And that actually led to an offer and hire for that database specialist. And, you know, and those kind of cross-referencing mm-hmm. skills, like mm-hmm. taking a look at information from one site, referencing it against another site, you know, doing your engagement piece, 
it's still you know it's still kind of active today compared mm-hmm. to you know say 15 years ago that part hasn't really changed that 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 massively yeah um and yeah there's this you know other things that i've done as well i think the one thing I did at Expedia pretty well and nearly lost my job over it, I could have done, was, you know, I kind of tried to put myself in the recruiter's shoes mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, they're not going to be actively sourcing on Google and mm-hmm. GitHub and all these kind of places. So what I try to do is kind of aggregate that information and put that into LinkedIn Recruiter so that they could just kind of filter on what channel that they wanted to search in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what I was doing, I was kind of collecting like thousands of people's information from GitHub, yeah. from our ATS, from Google. I was uploading those email addresses into LinkedIn Recruiter as a project uh, and then kind of let LinkedIn kind of find those profiles mm-hmm. with their own system. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of just kind of put them into kind of project files. So we were we were looking for like we, well, we were hiring kind of Java developers in places like Seattle, England, mm. and uh, and India. So all that the recruiter had to do was literally just kind of put a keyword in wow. the search bar, search on location, and it would just have a pre-populated list of names and contact information that they could just reach out to straight away. That's amazing. I think I had about 600,000 names and wow. about 1 million pieces of contact information there. And this was all in the system? All in LinkedIn, yeah. All in LinkedIn, wow. Yeah. That I kind of uploaded from all these various channels. So, um, wow. yeah, okay. the, the reason why I mentioned I could have lost my job <laughs> is that I, you know, there's potentially a big data privacy. Data privacy, yeah. Yeah, going on yeah. there. But I, we were migrating from, uh, I can't remember the system we had at the time, but we were moving over to Workday. Mm, and I was mm. going to get rid of like, glorious work this, day. yeah all this kind of contact information i just didn't want to see it go to waste so uh, yeah i kind of exported it out and yeah i i think i had about four hundred thousand email addresses wow. and contact information just sitting there and i was thinking the security team are gonna walk me off site any moment but they didn't and it worked out yeah pretty well yeah and that's the thing about sourcing is it's about leaving no stone unturned, right? Like when you were talking about cross-referencing, that in itself takes a lot of time when you're cross-referencing from one platform to another, into an ATS, into another system. You're trying to find all these various sort of data points to just make sure that that one person is the right person that we're reaching out to. It is. I mean, it, it's, it sounds like a lot. Like when you kind mm. of describe it like that yeah to a recruiter you kind of think oh christ like you have to i'm gonna to have to click on like 10 to 15 things yeah. to go and find. i'm not going to do that but when yeah. you actually do it and you master it doesn't take, it, that, it doesn't take that long no. i mean it's you know five to ten you know five clicks extra and for, it could be like that you know that golden mm. nugget so mm. you know say if you can master that a little bit i'm not exactly so, when i kind of do some of my sessions with recruiters i kind of give them like three or four things to kind of take mm-hmm. away master mm-hmm. rather than giving them the whole Pandora's box where they're just going to get like mind blown. It's just not worth yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And with the, um, what do you think are some, some, some sort of common misconceptions about sourcing? Because there are quite a few out there. I mean, if I look at when I started my job search um, mid this year after my role was made redundant there's a lot of misconceptions about what sourcing is so what are some that you've come across and how do you think is the best way to tackle some of those misconceptions that you've seen Martin yeah I think look 
I think the common one is probably people think it's a bit of a, a step beneath recruiting, right? So yeah. and I've had this kind of conversation with many leaders and even within the sourcing or, mm-hmm. you know, sourcing community itself. But, you know, it shouldn't really be seen as a step down. It should mm. be seen as a different muscle within TA. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, recruiters should see sources as a valuable partner in the process. It's not that we're trying to do anything above them. We're trying to work in collaboration. Mm-hmm. We just have that kind of extra muscle in terms of being able to dedicate a bit more time to the search and Mm -hmm. cover all those kind of loose stones and try and find those low-hanging fruits, et cetera, and kind of bring that to the table. Um, But I think sometimes with recruiters, et cetera, you know, they may have eyes on different roles and different positions and they kind of think, well, if I go into sourcing or if I, you know, get labelled as a sourcer, where do I go? And that's kind of a valid thing at the same time. but. Mm. I think at the same, you know, I think at the very bare minimum, you know, the the industry has to kind of see sourcing as like a, a different muscle to TA and not mm-hmm. a, 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 you know, subservient kind of person to the recruitment process. Yeah, awesome. I, I fully agree with that because I was running into the same sort of issue when, when I was um, searching for a role as well was like, people were struggling to differentiate what sourcing is from recruitment and they were not realizing that I could very easily do a DA or tech recruitment role, but they were so focused on the sourcing aspect without actually understanding what sourcing does um, at the same time. Um, in terms of platforms and tools, like, you know, everybody's talking about generative AI. There's way too many tools out there now with AI. So in a sources toolkit or even within any recruiter's toolkit for sourcing in general to just make your life a lot more easier, what are some of the tools or platforms do you find indispensable for sourcing and should be in everybody's toolkit day in, day out? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that you could probably use. So one is getting hold of one or two data aggregate or kind of social aggregators. So I use two, which is Amazing Hiring, mm. uh, which is a sci-fi extension, mm-hmm. and I use HireEZ. Mm-hmm. There are others out there. But yes. really what you want to do is be able to kind of collect that social I- information mm-hmm. because that will kind of give in terms of where you're going to be able to go after those individuals and tailor your outbound activities, etc. So I use a couple of aggregators. Um, I also use a lot of... Um, not a lot of, but I use some um, some some uh, template tools. So um, I use one that's called Brisking, um, yes. and that you that can work within LinkedIn. It can work within Gmail uh, and pretty much any website really. Mm-hmm. And instead instead of having to kind of create different templates with different platforms, you can just use one template, and essentially it will kind of uh, load into each platform, etc. Um, but from a, from an AI perspective, um, you know, there's there's a few that I'm using at the moment. Um, so I use uh, uh, GPT Writer for Gmail, mm-hmm. um, and that's just where I'm like, if I'm having a bit of a foggy brain day, etc., yeah. and I just need a bit more creativity, I will, you know, I'll compose an, an email, and then I kind of get it to kind of proofread it and 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 make it a bit more concise or whatever yeah. it may be. Um, so that's a chat GPT for, writer for, for Gmail is pretty good. Uh, I also use Auto Text Expander. Mm-hmm. Uh, that works within uh, LinkedIn uh, and other sites as well. But the good thing about Auto Text Expander, it actually scrapes information from LinkedIn as well. You can put it into a G, like a G Sheets or an Excel spreadsheet as well. Yep. So that's pretty good. And it, it's got that kind of template component as well. 
And I'm also using Merlin, um, which is a like a chat GPT thing. And I'm starting to use that for more connection requests. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think we're getting very close <laughs> to that uh, kind of utopian situation where you're able to kind of pull out a, a, a list of URLs from a, from a search. Hmm. Um, and, and go into a tool like Phantom Buster, which is an API tool, yes. and it will kind of start sending connection requests, and then you can actually mm. do some campaign information in, in mm. the background as well. So mm. I think we're getting pretty close, close where you can do using one or two tools to be able to do all that kind mm. of outreach at scale as yeah. well. So, yeah, yeah. Which... Nice, nice shout-out, by the way. That's that, Those are pretty cool tools. I don't know if you've heard of Clay Martin, by the way. Um, I haven't, no, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been around for a while, but I've just started dabbling in clay because I've got a bit of ha- time on my hands. But check it out because it's used as a sales prospecting tool. But right. from a sourcing side, you can use it for the exact same reasons, but flip it on its side and think of it from a candidate engagement standpoint. So you can still get a lot of other data points and you can use it as a data enrichment tool. So email, phone numbers and all of that. So it's actually pretty good. Pretty, pretty well, good. Yeah, because I think because I have higher EZ, etc., I probably get a lot of contact information. Yes, but I'm I'm not like massively into mass automation for for everything. I still yeah. like to kind of proofread everything and and check to make sure that the, the message that goes out is is kind of on point. Whereas if you're over reliant, you know, pull off like a list of you know fifty names or hundred names or whatever, mm. and then kind of just press press a button press to run. It, yeah. Yeah, I always worry about whether the, the message is going to be quite on point. So I like to kind of proofread a lot. Exactly, exactly. Awesome. Well, Martin, we are coming to the end of it, but I do have one bonus question uh, sure. for all the listeners out there. Anyone looking to either hone into more of their their sourcing artistry or a recruiter who's looking to spend a little more time doing a lot more sourcing, like what is what are sort of one or two sort of suggestions or pieces of advice you'd like to give anyone listening out there yeah i think look one of i, I think join one of the sourcing communities first of all like source a great one so is going to be a good one uh just because it they you know the people in there are very open they're very sharing mm-hmm. there's no egos in there you know they're, they're happy to kind of help if you get stuck on something or they're happy to suggest a tool that may kind of solve your problem mm-hmm. uh, so i'd say you certainly join there i think as well look there, there's lots of sourcing tools out there mm-hmm. um don't get like massively like consume that you have to have 100 tools out there that's not going to make you a great source overnight mm. i think like master three or four things like get the, the kind of basics right like understand a little bit about boolean and mm. uh, there's lots of resources out there around that because you know if linkedin were to go away tomorrow like where would you start so you probably Absolutely. need to understand a little bit about boolean get the fundamentals right there and then start building the, the, the blocks around that. So, you know, get an automation tool that's going to help you do a bit more scale, get some uh, sequencing uh, tools in there as well that's going to help mm-hmm. you, your productivity level. Um, get a few maybe kind of email contact finders as well. So look, I wouldn't, if you're starting from zero, start at like five, five to 10 tools maximum, master those, and then kind of branch out from there. 
That's fantastic advice, uh, Martin. And you know, you're you're spot on with everything. Like, don't go in just for one thing. That's going to do all. You got to play around with different things, and it's always great to go back to basics. So look at your yes. bullion operators. Go back to basics. That's going to be your best friend to start. So Martin, thank you so much for spending time and being our first guest on Crafty Saucer. Thank um, you. Anyone who wants to connect with Martin, I'm going to drop in his LinkedIn profile um, into the podcast as well. So please connect with Martin. He's always open to having a chat as well. So Martin, once again, thank you so much. No, thank you, Denise. It's a pleasure to be with you today and like good luck for the future with the podcast as well. And uh, thank you. Any, any questions, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Thanks, Martin. Take See care. Ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. And we'll be back next week with another exciting episode. If you found this valuable, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. That helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, happy sourcing and stay crafty. Until next time.